Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. Liam, and he's real cute, and he's he's from... Uh... He's from Virginia, so obviously he's a little bit of a you know redneck. He's got he, I don't know where he got it, but he got this little accent um, that that he he operates out of, and it's real cute. And he'll just say, "Oh, oh, oh my pastor, that's his pacifier, oh, oh that." And uh, so he sounds like a little old Benjamin Button man, and he's so cute though. And he was talking the other day. Um, about uh, reading this book. I had a book when I was little called Little Black Pony. And, uh, you know, it's a, you remember that, Mom? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had that memorized. Love that book. And um, so he was re- he was having that book read to him. And, uh, and he's so cute. He was like, when he got to the sad part where the new red horse comes and supplants, we're going to talk about supplanting here in a minute, but the red horse comes and supplants, you know, the, you know, the other pony and you, cause he's bigger and faster. And so Liam just really ministered to him. He said, I feel, I felt that way before. He was, how old is he? He's three and a half, right? And so he's like, I felt that way. And, and Grandma was like, well, what are you talking about? He's like, I, I felt that way when Papa, he wouldn't wrestle with me the other day. And it hurt my feelings. <laughs> the cutest kid in the world. And it, just as I begin to think about that little guy, I had that conversation. I begin to think about wrestling uh, with, with, our, with fathers, wrestling with our Heavenly Father. Obviously, that's where we're going to go. Genesis 32, get ready here in just a minute. But, uh, um, you know, sometimes God will give me the scripture. And just bring you know things to remembrance and you know just different ways uh, that God is related to me. Um, anybody know about dad strength? Yeah. Okay. So, thank you. Who said that? Mockingly said, "Yeah." Okay. Okay. So you know what I'm talking about. Um, you know, and Brad's over there. I told him him and uh, him and Skyler, him and Jake, or somebody was going to be the example because uh, Brad's a big dude. But. Uh, I won't do that. I will just instead share from my own pain, my own experience. You, you guys can be the recipient of my personal experience. My dad uh, is not here today, but he was obviously you know, a big, strong guy. And as a little kid, he, you just, you're like a little rag doll whenever you wrestle. And I remember this really traumatic um, series of events. Anybody used to eat ramen? <laughs> Anybody still on that struggle? <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. I actually love me some ramen. The, the shrimp or the oriental, I don't, I don't mess with the beef, but uh, I do still, I, I still have that. And so that was like, a, you know, we, we grew up and, you know, we're, um, you know, were we rich? No, but uh, <laughs> it's not the point. Um, the, the, the ramen was coveted. And so, but and I used to like to sneak in and, and grab some and eat it. So I remember this. There are some things that are, that hurt, you know, that are so traumatic as a child that, you know, they're just imprinted on you forever. So I remember uh, in the middle of the night getting hungry, sneaking out of the room, you know, just in, in my skivvies, a little bitty guy. And I was standing on top of the counter, um, reaching above to get the bowl and where the ramen was all at. Again, I had to climb all, all the way up on the counter. I was going to cook it in the dark and then just eat it all to myself with nobody the wiser and then just pretend I knew nothing about it the next day. And so I don't know how. It's still traumatic for me to even sort through it. So I am sitting there, and I remember I'm just like this, and I've got a bowl in one hand, and I've got my ramen in the other, and I'm getting ready to jump down to the, you know, to get the microwave, get this thing going. And then all of a sudden... This sheet drops over my head, and my dad has sneaked up behind me with a pillowcase <laughs> like that, and then bundles me up, and I'm upside down. He's got me over his back, and then he's walking around with me just letting me shriek and scream. I have no idea what's going on. It's very traumatic, and finally he let me off, and like for the next five years, that was like a threat, 
You know, that, that, that's how you got people to be good. Like, even I would use it. My sister Sarah, she's married to a pastor in, uh, in Arkansas. Like, whenever she would get involved, like, she would be, you know, messing up, you know, me and my other sister Emily's plans. You know, we're playing with stuff in the dirt or whatever. And then so if Sarah would come and then be annoying, uh, the, the running uh, fearful insult was, I will pillowcase you off. <laughs> Say, you touch that again, I will pillowcase you. No! <laughs> yeah, it would, like, it, it just invokes such fear. Because dad's strength. Dads have dad's strength. They don't always use it, um, thank goodness. And when good dads do, it's for our blessing and not our curse. Um, Our Heavenly Father is powerful beyond imagining. And you need to understand that uh, God is not up in heaven, you know, with the you remember the whack-a-mole used to play at Chuck E. Cheese or something like that? That's how I, that was like my understanding of sin and consequence, that God was just up there. Just whacking, just looking for me to sin, right? That was the attitude. He was just waiting for, for us to mess up. Have you ever felt like that a little bit? It's not God's fault, but naturally, that's how people are. It's almost like you know, he's waiting for me to sin, waiting for me to trip up and make a mistake and do that same thing that I used to do. And, and he's just, he can't wait because he's going to step on me. And that's God's attitude towards us. And that's a lie. That is not God's heart. That is not God's attitude. Honestly, I, I preached a funeral, and it's always hard whenever you preach a funeral and somebody, you know, uh, has passed away, and it doesn't look good as far as, you know, whether they went to heaven. Just the circumstance, mitigating circumstances is not really a good, you know, because I'm not, I'm not going to lie and preach somebody in heaven and say, if, you don't, you know, if you're not in relationship with Jesus Christ and covered by the blood, you're going to heaven. That's not how it works. And unfortunately, that, that's just not how it goes. And so I'm not going to do that. However, um, I got a revelation whenever I had to do a, uh, uh, be, be a part or at a funeral. I think I had to take part in it um, for someone who had you know, overdosed on opioids. And it was, uh, it was, it was a heroin deal. And uh, what do you say in a moment like that? What do you say to the family? How do you comfort the family? You don't get up there and then lie. But you also don't get up there and then just use them as you know a way to you know to, as an example for everybody because they're grieving, they're hurting, and so this is what I came up with, and I will defend this uh, theologically to the death. The one one thing that I do know about God is He is not looking for excuses to keep us out of heaven. He has done and continues to do, even through the working of the Holy Spirit today, does everything that He can to facilitate our going to heaven. He don't want us in hell. He don't want anybody. He's willing that none should perish, the Word of God says, but that all should come to repentance. So, so if you have a, a mindset of God of just you know, uh, checking off a list, looking for problems and, you know, as an inspection, you know, just up oh, this, 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 this. He's only looking for one thing. And as you see him, uh, you know, just almost desperately looking, um, I, I, I just need to see the blood. Every time he looks at it, I want to see the blood of Jesus Christ because that is what makes the difference, not anything that we have done. That is our heavenly Father. Amen? Genesis 32. If you're not there by now, you are not getting there. Genesis chapter 32 and verse 1. We're going to do the whole thing. Anybody want to read this whole chapter? No? I will do it. I will do it. I like, I like to keep you involved. So Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's camp, and called the place Manaheim. 
Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother in the land of Seir, in the country of Edom, and commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. A little bit of context there. Uh, Jacob and Esau, everybody kind of vaguely remember. Um, th- this is the, the two brothers that were born twins. One is holding on to the ankle um, of the other one. They come out. Um, they develop, you know, as young, uh, you know, young men. One becomes the favorite of the dad. One becomes the favorite of the mom, a little more softer spoken. You know, he's the artsy one. And uh, the other one's the hunter, Esau. He's very hairy. Um, he's very uh, just into, 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 into bows and into swords and into, you know, the things of the day. That's just what he does. And... Um, the mom um, decides to uh, you know, kind of get involved and, and lie and supplant a little bit because she wants uh, her, her favorite to be blessed. So they cover him with the uh, skin of animals. And then whenever it's time for a very tangible blessing where the, the father is going to bless his firstborn son, and that's not just like a, you know, a word of affirmation. That is a serious blessing. It actually you know, has um, power spiritually you know, in this dispensation. So he blesses him, but it's not really him. It's Jacob. It's the sneaky one, right? And so he ends up being, having to leave because, it, you know, whenever you're the artsy one and the other guy's the guy who plays with bows, like, you know, that's kind of built into the cake. Like, you don't want to mess with him whenever he finds out that you have supplanted and done what you have done. And so he went um, to a far country, gets married, you know, goes and, and hangs out with his, rel- his relation, Laban. And now, because of, you know, relationships there deteriorating, he has to come back because there's nowhere left to run. So he's got to come back. He's got to cross this particular river and, uh, and, and cross into the land that his brother, who he has terribly wronged, um, has lots of soldiers and, and warlike men. So that's the situation here. Some of you Sunday school um, veterans don't understand that you got to give context sometimes, because if it's a new believer, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So it's important. Uh, so we pick it up. Um, here he said, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, male and female servants. I have sent, uh, tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau and he is coming to meet you. Oh, good. Good, good. So he's, he's coming to meet you. Uh, and 400 men are with him. <laughs> and that's when the other shoe kind of drops. Uh, so Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed and he divided the people that were with him. And the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, if Esau comes to one company and attacks it, then the other company, which is left, will escape. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, return to your country with your family and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff and now I have... Two companies. What he's saying is, I, I came and I, all I had was a walking stick when I crossed the Jordan the first time. Now I'm crossing back over. I've got two companies. Um, what this means is like, you know, all untold wealth, caravans. Uh, you know, he's got gold, he's got silver, he's got people, he's got donkeys, he's got it all. He's got tents and family. Um, it, it's a huge deal. I crossed with my staff. Now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. That's where it gets interesting. So he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, and 10 foals. 
and put them in the hand of the servants. Everyone drove by himself and said to his servants, pass over before me and put some distance between the successive droves. And he commanded the first one saying, when Esau, my brother, meets you saying, to whom do these belong and where are you going? Who are these in front of you? You shall say they are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my Lord Esau and behold the droves. He is also behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and those who followed the drove, saying, In the manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him, saying, Behold, your servant Jacob is with us. For he said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him, but he himself lodged that night in the camp. My mistake. This is kind of where it gets a little more interesting because that you know it was just a, like a list of, uh, of camels and different parts of the gift. And he rose, arose that night and took his two wives, two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed over to the ford of Jabbok and took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Everything has kind of just gone like that, you know, in the scripture so far. And then that's, that's an interesting development in the story, right? Now, so far, it's a pretty strategic thing. It's, you know, he's hoping that the gift is accepted and, you know, everything is following suit and it's normal. And then all of a sudden, verse 24 drops and you say, Then Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. He said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over, Penuel, the sun, rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in that muscle that shrank. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for every single part of your word. Every part of it. It's alive. It's powerful. It's it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, it pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And it also pierces uh, to the dividing asunder of my needs and my stubbornness, uh, my problems, and my excuses. Your word is so sharp that whenever I come with sin before you or excuses or bitterness, it is laid bare. You divide out the things that I use as excuses from the things that I know uh, that if I would just trust you uh, would change in my life, God. We can hide. We can argue. Um, we can use uh, you know, fancy words. We can excuse problems and issues in our lives. But whenever it comes to your word, nothing is hidden. And so we thank you for that, God, because that's what it is to be known by you. So know us. Reveal in us the things that we need to change, the things that we need to let you change today, God. As your word, we look into it and see ourselves as we truly are because we see you as you are. We thank you for the reading of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Jacob was the supplanter. That's not a word that we would use a whole lot, a supplanter. Um, basically, 
when he's given the name, the only, the only real definition of the name we get in the scripture is Esau and Jacob are born together, and uh, Esau comes out first, and he's a big hairball, and there comes out another one who is grabbing uh, his ankle, you know, his, his heel, um, as he comes out. He won't let him go. He won't let him, you know, which is pretty wild. He just, he, he, he just kind of, you know, that, we got some, some nurses here, people who work in, in nursing. That, that, that would be a pretty wild labor and delivery. You're just like, he's still coming. He, he won't let go. And then he's just like, ah. And he, he, he just, you know, basically rides his brother right on out uh, and says, you're not leaving me in here. It's a pretty wild thing uh, what happened here. And grabbing of the heel is actually spiritually significant. Um, the, what, what happens is whenever you, in Scripture, whenever you look at that, whenever you think about that, he's, he is supplanting. He's tripping up. He, whenever you grab somebody by the foot, and like, uh, he is, he is uh, causing him to stumble. He is taking his place. He, he is causing him um, you know, to, you know, to, to trip or be tripped up, to overthrow. And it's very significant. There's a uh, matter of fact, if you, uh, if you, if you read the, uh, the history of the Mongol tribes, especially uh, you know, of Genghis Khan, uh, who was called Timujin, if you read that, um, it's, it's the only document you really have about where the Mongols came from, which were one of the most powerful and dangerous peoples in the Middle Ages and all the conquests they did. But um, the guy, Genghis Khan, everyone, Genghis Grill, okay, I know I'm not going to get you with the history stuff. Everyone know Genghis Grill, which is uh, you know, the, the BDs, Mongolian Grill, nobody? You all, okay, you all ain't living, so, um, but we'll keep going. This guy was actually born uh, with a blood clot in his hand, which was really interesting to me because he goes on to be one of the most brutal um, conquerors of all time, and it just made me think of that. Jacob is born with, uh, with somebody's heel in his hand, and he uses that, and he fulfills that spiritually. He overthrows his brother's place um, and supplants him as the person who is uh, the blessed, the firstborn, uh, the one who is going to have the blessing of the firstborn and the birthright. That is a J- and that's why things have deteriorated to the point where um, Esau is not coming uh, with a U-Haul. He's coming with 400 armed men to kill him as soon as he hears his brother is coming. One person uh, uh, was explaining this to me uh, at one point, and uh, he, he, he was like, it, uh, you know, the, the name Jacob, what does it mean? What does it mean in Hebrew? It mean, well, you know, it means like heel or grabber. And I was like, those are not synonyms. Like, you know, we, we have to have some understanding here like this. Like, you know, what, what, what are you cooking? It's like, it's like salad or like cake, you know. Those are not even remotely uh, connected. They're not, they're not synonyms. Um, Jacob is the one who grabs and supplants his brother. And his actions have caused him to go from one place to another. So now I want to make some application. Um, sometimes the, uh, the, the blessings and the giftings that God gives us, um, you know, it's wonderful. Everybody has their own unique um, gifting, their own unique purpose. And sometimes um, people will, will, you know, just lean in on that and it will cause them, you know, no matter where they're going, they succeed and they're good at different things, uh, but they don't grow the roots that they need to actually be successful uh, in the purpose that God actually called them. So um, while Jacob has the blessing and he has the skills and he's good at stuff, um, he, it causes him to have to go from where he's at, leave his family, and go to his cousin and La- named Laban far away where he won't be uh, destroyed and won't be uh, under the retribution of his brother. Jacob's problem is that he runs from people. He runs from problems. He runs from issues uh, that, he, uh, that he himself causes. And his actions have caused him to go from one place to the other. 
Not only does he break from uh, his brother and his, his, the home of his family and the home of his birth, uh, he ends up, um, you know, things sour with Laban. Because of that blessing um, that's on him, Laban starts to look at him and say, wow, you're, you're, your flocks are doing so much better than mine. What's going on? Like, you know, you're, why, why is it that you're so much more blessed? Um, the favor of God is not without uh, challenges because a lot of times whenever, um, whenever you walk in the favor of God, people uh, will come against you. Right? That, that's a natural fleshly thing. The enemy is going to provide uh, the, the, the serious uh, pushback. Uh, whenever you're walking in the favor of God, a lot of times it doesn't feel like it. Because the enemy loves to push back. He loves to, he loves to attack. And, and honestly, people don't help out either. Uh, sometimes you know, people will see you, you're blessed in this way or God has just really uh, been good to you. A lot of people you know, will allow that seed of jealousy to crop up. And then they'll, they'll, they'll start to make those excuses or, or start to, to point to different things in your life or, or, or to magnify your problems or your shortcomings. You ever felt that way? Sometimes to walk in favor is... Uh, it doesn't always look like you would think it would look. Amen? His actions have caused him to go from one place to the other. And if, if he can't grow roots, he's never going to have the true fruit that God promised him. There are so many people with incredible giftings that end up with nothing to show for it. Because it comes easy because it's there. So they never, they never really drill down into the purposes that God has for their life. They never really drill down. Um, it's just so easy to make money that, uh, you know, that they're free with it. You know, things just you know, naturally you know, tend, to, tend to go well. And so at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the season, um, you know, it, it's just there's nothing to show for it. And now they're bitter because they don't understand why. Some people have many, many different kinds of giftings. And because they're there... They get neglected. And people with half the talent, half the giftings, end up being the ones who, who are most used. We go on to find out that his relational break from Laban almost destroyed him. Because whenever he leaves Laban, Laban comes after him. Um, you know, with, with, again, with armed men. And so here's the question. Jacob doesn't really feel like he's that blessed when it comes right down to it. Yeah, he's good at everything, but he's the one who keeps getting chased by armed men. Right? I, I, do, I need to bring something out here because even though he's the one who's been you know, imparted the blessing and he has like all the giftings and all the, you know, the ability to, to, to grow you know, his wealth and to do this and he's, you know, have lots of kids, he's the one who's always like on the short end of the stick. You know, when he leaves, he is, he's got a stick with him. You ever feel like you're down to nothing? J Jacob has a stick when he crosses the Jordan. Nothing. And then he goes, and, and now, even though he's been really blessed, he leaves Laban, and he is hightailing out of there because Laban's coming after him. And so, again, Jacob is the one who is struggling. You know, he, he's the one who has you know, little to show for. He's, he's the weaker one, and he's afraid. You would think if Jacob was the blessed one that it would be Laban who would watch the way he would talk to Jacob. Not the case. And then he comes back into his homeland, and, and, and Esau is the one. You know, Jacob is intimidated by him. He's still scared of him because now this guy, uh, you know, is coming with 400 men, you know, and, and, and sometimes Jacob's like, uh, I thought I was the blessed one. Everybody's beating me up. Everybody's a bully to me. Like, I'm the weak one. Like, you know, I wish I had your blessings. And the reason why is because he doesn't, he doesn't act right. He doesn't perform right. He, he is a supplanter, and he cannot grow roots. 
He cannot take advantage of what God has, has given him and all the blessing over his life because uh, he, he is constantly in flux. He's constantly running from issues and problems. He run right across the Jordan. Now he's running right back, and now he don't know where to go. It's a difficult season for him. But I want to talk about what happens that night. Jacob got tired of running from his fights. And here's what bothers me. It's mind-blowing to me that the only person that Jacob's actually got the guts to fight is God. And we all kind of, huh, that was crazy. But that's how it is um, with people here today under the sound of my voice, including myself. If, if some of y'all would offer half the resistance to the enemy in your life that you offer to God, he would have gave me a different word. And we wouldn't even we wouldn't be here. If, if we could, honestly, if we could be stubborn against temptation and against the attacks of the enemy and against uh, these things that we know cannot prosper as we are um, not following after God and arguing with him about things in our life and fighting with him about things in our life, it, 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 honestly, it, it blows my mind. Jacob is apparently who will fight nobody except for the creator of the universe. You know, Esau's coming after me. Nope. Here comes Laban. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dodge out of that fight. No way. I'm scared of him. And now, and now, and now he ping-pongs back. He's like, Esau, you, know, you can have everything. You can have you know, um, Take all my stuff. Won't fight him. Divides up all his goods. And the one person that he has the courage to fight is the person who blessed him in the first place. The person who is for him. The person who actually uh, cares. The person who is actually trying to fight for him. Church, sometimes if we would take a big step back, we would find out that the person that we are fighting is the person that wants to bless us. And we are running from the enemy in our relationships. We are running from the enemy uh, in, in situations, in our, in our jobs, in our friendships, um, you know, in, in the things that he is trying to do. And, and let me tell you what, how, when was the last time that you just really, when you were going through something, just said, you know what, I am going to really take this to God in prayer and I'm going to pray like I've never prayed before. I'm not afraid of you, Satan. I'm not afraid of you, enemy. I'm going to stand on the promises of God, and I'm actually going to offer some kind of resistance. I'm going to take some faith. I'm going to pick up the shield of faith, and I'm going to come against uh, these things, these attacks, because I know them. I call them what they are. They are spiritual attacks against me, and I'm just not going to stand for it. When was the last time we did that? Because it's just so much easier to cave to the enemy and then fight God. Whenever the only truly victorious life is whenever we fight the enemy, we stand strong against the enemy, and we follow God. But God touches him in a powerful way. This, we're almost to the place, um, it's going to be a short one today, but uh, you can go ahead and come up. We're almost to the place where I just really, really feel like God um, has just an active word for you today. God does something in this fight and this wrestling match with Jacob. Um, he touches his hip socket. He touches him right there, and, and it causes him um, to, 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 it's a serious injury. So, yeah, I, again, dad's strength. 
God had the power, you know, this angel, this, this angelic, you know, this interaction, this spiritual interaction with God uh, has the power at any time to just to demolish him, to destroy him. There's, that's not even close uh, to the issue. Um, but he continues to wrestle with him, continues to fight because he is trying to teach him something uh, in this. And then when it comes right down to it, he gets tired of it. And, and so he kind of just, I, in my mind, he's just going, ah. His hip goes out of joint, and now he's in terrible pain, and he can't hardly keep on going, And but he keeps on. He keeps on fighting, and I wonder if it's kind of frustrating uh, for God at that point. He's like, wow, now, now, you're, now you're Mr. Tough Guy. When it's me, I wonder. I wonder how God feels sometimes whenever the only thing that we put resistance up to in our lives is him, his plan for us, his word. His will. And he just looks and said, you'll, you'll be bullied by everything in society. You'll be pushed around. You'll let this happen. You'll, you'll let this happen. And, and, the only, and I'm the only one that you've got the guts to fight with. So God does something powerful. He touches him in the, in the hip. And that's not what Jacob wants to happen. Jacob is looking for a quick exit strategy. He's like, you know, give me, I need another blessing. And God's like, you already got blessings. I, I, I got, gave you everything. What, what more do you want from me? Jacob, oh, I want a blessing. I, I, need, I need you to bless me. I need, I, I need you, God, to bless my way out of this struggle. Because I don't want to fight my way out of the struggle. How many of us have done that before? God loves us too much to do that. So here's what happens. He, 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 he touches him in the hollow of, uh, of, his, uh, of his hip, and no longer is he able to do something. He continues to fight. He continues to struggle. And the Word of God says that from that day forward, he did what? He limped. He limped from that day forward. And Jacob learned something that night. He, he, he changed that night. His name was changed that night. And, and what we see is Jacob wakes up the next morning and realizes what the real blessing was. He says, I, there's one thing that I can't do now. The only thing I can't do. I can't run away anymore. God has taken my ability to do the thing that has thwarted my blessing my whole life. And it came across as pain. But it was a blessing in disguise. The Holy Spirit did not give me this word for this season for no reason. God has allowed things to come into your life or a situation to come into your life. And it hurt. And it still hurts. Newsflash. It, it, it didn't hurt. It Actively, It hurts even still. But what God was trying to accomplish was the fulfillment of all of his plans and promises in your life. And now you're here and you're hearing this word. And you're like, yeah, that, that took me to the edge. That took me to the very edge, and, and I didn't know what I was going to do. And, and, and I was so scared because I knew that the, the, the enemy was coming, that he was coming, and, and he's got 400 armed men. And God, what are you doing? The only thing that, that my interaction with God, now I can't even get away. I can't run. I can't bail out again. I, I, God took that away. 
But what he wanted him to see uh, was that the hand of blessing was still on him. And the thing that he feared the very most, his brother coming back, he was going to be received with open arms. The things that the enemy is using for fear in your life, trust God. Trust God. Did anybody hear me? Trust God. Trust God in those things because uh, if I were you, I, I know that there, there are promises in Scripture and that even if it's the worst kind of thing, even if it's problematic, even if it's terrifying, uh, he said that he can work it out uh, to, to, to your good. That, he, can, that he, can, he is still in charge. All of those things that the enemy meant to destroy you with, um, that, that was just the springboard that God actually wanted to use for your next place, for your next level, for your next season. That God can use those things. And maybe that difficult thing that God had to touch in your life. And you've been blaming him ever since. Because there's two ways we can go with this, right? We can go this way. God, you hurt me. You caused, you caused something to come into my life that, that, that was problematic, that was painful. I don't trust you anymore. I don't want to wrestle with, with Dad anymore. I don't want to wrestle. I, your touch was painful. But God, right now, just bow your heads with me and just allow God to, to speak and do whatever he wants to do today.